Welcome to Revere Assets, Your Money, with Danny Stewart. You never know how far the stock is going to go down. Tim Razor. Danny knows I'm a geek for all of this stuff. And Don Vandenborg. Telling it like it is. If you're seeking the best stock knowledge this side of Wall Street, you've come to the right place. I'm sorry, did I steal your stuff? No, you didn't steal any thunder. Who's handling this segment? (laughs) For the next hour, Danny, Tim, and Don will be talking investing. Investing is 90% psychological, and I love that. Trades. The market will usually overshoot to the downside and to the upside. And dumpster fires. Because it doesn't matter what you think or what I think, and it matters even less what Danny thinks. And now, here's your hosts... Danny, Tim, and Don. The hotly anticipated Secure 2.0 bill is here. It's hotly anticipated. Were you hotly anticipating it? I know I wasn't. I didn't care. Also, debt delayed marriage keeps millennials from home ownership. This is an article the Fed kind of put out there and was giving reasons for home ownership. Uh, the, the reason it's being delayed is because of two incomes necessary for the family. The cost of college increases, so now these younger generation are laden with debt. And they're putting off marriage and they're not having kids earlier as they used to. So they don't need the home as much. That is the reasons the Fed is giving for low home ownership. It couldn't be the massive inflation they created or the high interest rates or the problem at home prices because of zero interest rates push real estate prices through to the moon and they're inflated. It couldn't be any of those things. It could not be the, pro- the, 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 the fault of the government or the Fed. Nope, nope, nope. Couldn't be that. Now, the, uh, this hotly anticipated corrections bill, they're going to correct some of the things they're doing for retirement. I, the, the bill had a few errors. I'm not going to go into it. But the bottom line is, very soon, if you're making over $135,000 a year, you're rich. And if you're over 60 or over uh, uh, 50 uh, uh, and you're doing the catch-up provisions, the additional over the 22.5 or whatever the index is for next year, that additional portion is going to have to be in a Roth. You won't be able to to deduct it. And it has a few other uh, minor change corrections, but you can look at that. But the new uh, fiduciary best business, business rule is here to protect you. But nothing will change. The lobbyists are writing the bill. It'll have the same fees and commissions, just with different lipstick. But it'll make you feel good because it'll make you feel better because they called it the best interest of the fiduciary rule, making you think that they're looking out for you. When in reality, they're looking out for the lobbyists and the people that are paying them big, big political campaign contributions. So my question to you is, are you making them big, big political campaign contributions? I think not. So anyway, what you need to, it just reminds me of what Ronald Reagan used to, I keep going back to this, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Folks, 
This is your life. It's your money. In fact, that's why we named this radio show Your Money. And you or we, if you're going to have us do it, but you need to take charge of your financial future. They are not looking out for you. Just look at health care, Social Security, roads, the borders, inflation. Look, they've been collecting road taxes for years. They've got hundreds of billions of dollars every year they get. That's gone. Now they want this big infrastructure bill with money they've already paid. Folks, they're not, they're not going to save you, so you've got to figure out what you're going to do. And then one other interesting topic, and this is Goonlock, my man crush guy. He's the one economist I do like because he's actually pretty accurate. He actually came out with this idea, what if uh, real estate prices, I mean, interest rates drop you could actually see a drop in real estate prices. He's saying you could see a sell-off in real estate prices. He's got an interesting uh, phenomenon very quickly. He says, uh, uh, real housing type prices typically move in the opposite direction of interest rates, uh, like so many other norms. But in this bizarre business environment, the relationship has been thrown in disarray. That's true. The, a decline in rates could unlock a supply of houses for sale in a market paralyzed by a seller's strike. Basically, what he's saying was high interest rates. I'm not going to sell my house. Where am I going to go? I got a 2.75 mortgage. What am I? I mean, uh, now I got to get a 9%. I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul. I'd have to pay more to downsize. That's why people aren't selling right now, because they can't roll it in with a reasonable deal. So he's saying if you unlock those prices, unlock, if more people can qualify with lower rates, and now you have more buyers, you have more people bidding, and now people are willing, because then now people that wanted to sell can, unlock, un, uh, can afford a mortgage, they can start to, it, it will actually, and actually it's an interesting point. It's a very interesting point, but just don't assume that dropping rates is going to be uber bullish for real estate. Normally it is, but could be different this time around. Now, the other really good point in this article is he's saying he's seeing a, a recession in Q2 of next year. A lot of economists are now saying we're going to have a really soft landing or we're going to have no recession because the yield curve looks like it's beginning to uninvert or to normalize. Here's what most economists don't understand. The inverted yield curve is an indicator. It's predict predicting a recession. The recession actually occurs right as the normally right as or right after the inversion uninverts. Did you hear me on that? It's not the inversion that it's signaling a recession. You're not actually in the recession yet. As it starts to uninvert, that's when you will have a recession. All right, enough of that. I want to go to the mailbag if I can find it. I know it's here somewhere. Where did I put the mailbag, uh, Merrill? Oh, my gosh, I lost it. Here it is. Here it is. Oh, here it is. I got it. I got it. I got it right here, right here. All right. And this actually is going to go to what we're going to talk about in the markets. So this is from uh, 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 JT, new listener. It's 12 today, actually. I'm a new listener and wanted to ask why gold and Bitcoin are rallying so much. And what do you think and do you think it will continue? Also, if I'm going to buy gold or Bitcoin, how would you do it? What's the best way to do it? Me. That is a great question. And we will discuss on the show. 
Thanks for listening. And, and, and you will learn very quickly that we do not predict or forecast, but rather measure what is happening while it's happening and make adjustments accordingly. When we get to the markets, I'm sure Don is going to talk about gold and Bitcoin. And I'm sure that guy picked up on it because Don's been talking about it on his videos quite a bit. Okay. Second question. Big tech stocks with AI exposure, this is from JJ, a different guy. Um, big tech stocks with AI exposure seem to be leading, as you have pointed out in your recent video. What are your favorite names and entry points? I, I think that he meant that you don't own yet because he's following what Don's bought. What are your favorite names and entry points? And then how would you handle the position? Great question. We will cover on air, but keep watching those videos and you will know where those entry points are. All right. With that said, um, um, I do want to do a quick mark. I, I want to get into the markets and dive right into the markets. And then I'll just do a quick recap on the tax. Well, let's just do that very quickly. Very quickly, folks, the tax revisions, they're out. The 17000 annual gift, the 12.92 lifetime exemption. If you need to do some con uh, estate planning, you can do that. Um, um, you, so you could give 17,000 away each year. So a couple could give away 34,000 to anybody they want, including me, if you love me. You could also do a one-time $85,000 gift for a 529 plan. That's the 17,000 times five years for the person to, to get it out of their state and do stuff that gets kind of complicated. So I'm not going to dive too much, but the bottom line is um, there's been some subtle changes in the amounts and the estate uh, exclusions. If you have any questions or you need some help with the uh, uh, planning, I'm very well versed in all types of estate planning, including complex estate planning where you're doing uh, partnerships or foundations or irrevocable life insurance trust or what have you. Uh, anyway, all right. Let's dive right into the markets and let's talk about, well, let's go into, well, Don, I'll let you decide. Well, you want to talk about the tech stocks or you want to talk about gold or just the markets in general and then dive deeper? Uh, we'll start with the markets in general and then we'll hit uh, Bitcoin and gold. And then uh, that, that last one on the tech stocks, I mean, that's a 45 minute dissertation. And all I can say about that is uh, watch the videos and the names that we discuss. It, you can't just, it's, that's just too much to handle in this, this, in the contents of the show, but let's start with and, uh, and the, the S&P 500. By, by the way, very quickly though, you refresh that all the time. So that list can, it's a living, breathing list and p things are constantly getting cold and added. So you really, if you really want to keep up with it, you you need to follow the videos because leading stocks change over time. A leading stock one rally may not be the leading stock of the next primary rally. Uh, sorry, Don, go ahead. So let's start with the S&P 500, which I'm showing here. And if you've been watching the videos, I've been drawing these same lines on this 30 minute chart uh, for what seems like forever, but is uh, closer, we're closer to about uh, three weeks. And really what it is, is this consolidation that we've been in after the Fed's perception of dovish uh, talk and possibly uh, cutting interest rates uh, combined with a weak CPI that was the catalyst on November 14th, which started this latest upleg. And then we started consolidating uh, on November 21st. And this red line that I've drawn has really been the battle point 
that we've been unable to get above and stay above. Uh, we have one close above it on December 1st. They, we promptly gapped below it, tried to get back above it on December 5th, couldn't do it. Gapped above it on December 6th, failed by the end of the day. And then finally yesterday, December 7th on Thursday, we got above it, tested it a couple times and held. And then we gapped down this morning right to that same level, held again. Uh, made higher highs. We actually, uh, the, the highs from July were 46.07. We got up to 46.06 today, pulling back now as of noon on Friday. Uh, and this 45.70, 45.68 to 45.70 is an extremely important level. That's what we want to uh, keep an eye on on any pullback uh, and make sure that it holds. And then I'll uh, go back to the daily chart, 46.07, here it is over there, like I said, within one point of that today, uh, looking to take that out into the end of the year if we get a Santa Claus rally, and that's really what we're focused on. NASDAQ 100, uh, the big FANG stocks had been weak for about a week. They started to outperform over the past couple of days, but you can see this 388-ish, yeah, we're just battling right around that. We're at 390.50 right now. If you, draw, if you draw the same 30 minute chart, you can see the lack of relative strength there because we never poked our head back above it, uh, above the highs, I mean, from late November, early December. We're just trying today to break out from that level above 392. Now we're pulling back. So uh, this is one of the reasons why we keep uh, a big core position in the S&P 500 as long as the market is healthy, because all of this vicious rotation that takes on between growth, that occurs between growth and value and uh, between sectors is, uh, handled all within the S&P 500. So as long as the general trend of the S&P 500 is up, uh, we're going to have a big uh, core position in the S&P 500. And then if growth stocks are working well, which they have been, as we've been talking about uh, in the video, we add exposure to those to create alpha uh, to outperform the markets because you really need to uh, have as much in the markets as you can comfortably uh, handle when we're, the markets are rallying, in particular when we're above the red line, that's the 50-day average, and even more so above the green line, that's the 21-day moving average. Hey, Don, Don, can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. So, you know, Bill O'Neill, you know, had that three weeks tight pattern. You know, that three weeks tight pattern is one of his classical patterns, like a cup and handle, and there's a few others. But that three weeks type handle, does that also apply to indices like the S&P, versus individual stocks you know normally they talk about that with individual stocks but it seems like the same uh, theory would apply because you're in a tight range and energy is building to go one way or the other yeah and that's that's a yeah it's a great example uh it doesn't apply as much to the s p because the the really what you're looking for in that three weeks tight is a range of plus or minus one percent and the atr of the s p is plus or minus one percent so it's not as impressive when it happens on the index as it is when in with individual stocks which have a uh, normally a two to three time atr uh, of what the s p 500 does so it's really what you're looking for is uh, is it in individual names uh, but you know we talk about tight levels like that 
and you know this is day 12 of a tight level uh within so the, a so percent the, so the breakout the could S&P. be good yeah so the breakout could be good it's just not won't have the same magnitude as a stock would because you got right the, and you know 75 percent of the stocks track yeah the 75 right. percent of stocks track uh, the direction of the overall market. So obviously if the overall market is going up, you're, you're going to see uh, it's in the individual names too. So let's go to gold. This has been a big disappointment. Uh, gold is really tied to the dollar. You can see the strength uh, off the lows, but, but a failed breakout here above this 2,200 level. And now we've been down uh, three of the past five days, kind of significantly off that off that high and breaking below the 21 day exponential moving average we had a, a we were playing this via nugget which is two times the gdx which is go, the gold and silver stocks index because uh, these all been a pack and you can see how disappointing the stocks have been over the past five days in fact we finally we were up uh like 15 16 percent on this we closed it with the break below yesterday's low today uh, and it booked like maybe 3% gains on it. So uh, don't like giving that back, but uh, we've been uh, having success in other areas too. So, uh, and Bitcoin acting much different from gold breakout and it's continuing and now consolidating near the highs. A lot of this is anticipation of the approval of a spot Bitcoin ETF, supposedly early next year. Uh, and that is going to, I, I heard somebody explain it pretty clearly. When you have big asset allocation managers, like the pie chart guys that don't pick individual names, they're going to look at their allocations and this gives them a mainstream way to put Bitcoin in the average investor's portfolio. So even if they like right now, the Bitcoin exposure, uh, from a asset class standpoint, with all the big uh, money managers is zero because there's really no way to play it that's liquid enough. But but the approval of a spot Bitcoin ETF uh, will go a long way and they'll just, uh, you know, they'll start maybe one, two, three percent of people's portfolios to Bitcoin. And that spot ETF will be the way to do it. There's also something called a halvening. It has to do with, uh, it makes it, there's a finite limit of Bitcoin that can ever be mined. And when you get closer to that limit, they start cutting in half, uh, which really doubles effectively, uh, how much you need to mine in order to produce a Bitcoin. And that that uh, historically has been bullish for Bitcoin overall. So uh, that's gold, Bitcoin. Um, let me, I'll let talk me, about let me, S- let me let me Let me explain the mechanics of that Bitcoin ETF and what Don just said. So. If you want to own Bitcoin, you've actually got to open up a special account. You've got to put the money in there and you've got to buy the Bitcoin shares. It's very difficult. You can't do it on a regular brokerage account at Schwab. Some of the uh, brokerage accounts are starting to allow it individually, but it's not mainstream. Just like when you buy commodities, when you buy gold, unless you're going to buy a futures contract on gold, you go buy GLD. Or if you want the miners, you buy GDX. GLD owns the futures contracts of gold for you. So you don't have to open up a special futures account and do it separately. And it can't be in the same account. This is the same thing with- No, 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 no. Gold is not futures contracts. Gold is based on the spot price of gold. And that's important because there's always contango that drags down ETFs that uh, 
that own futures contracts and USO is an example of that. But gold actually, some of the gold ETFs like PHYS own physical gold yes. underlying, but yes. GLD uh, is based on the spot price of price of gold. But it is futures. backed by, but it's backed by physical gold. They have phys supposedly, I mean, I've read that it's stored in London, but I mean, unless they've changed it all since I did the research, but, but the main take point is that these ETFs actually act as a surrogate so that you could own commodities or other assets that you can't own normally in a brokerage account. You can't, it's hard, just like they own real estate. So instead of you buying uh, co commercial properties or strip malls or, or mortgage backed, you just buy the ETF that's a real estate ETF that owns all those real estate. Anyway, the point being, Don is, is right, that Bitcoin spot, Bitcoin is really going to expand the market for Bitcoin, the volume. And we own BITO uh, for clients. This is how we've been um, playing. And then uh, today and yesterday, we added coin. This is, you know, somebody back to the growth leaders uh, question from the mailbag. This is very much a leading stock. And with FTX and Sam Bankman fraud uh, going down, and then the Binance guy, uh, the really the only legitimate exchange left is Coinbase. And uh, this has been on a very on growth stock riding the eight EMA higher. Uh, whenever something stands out as a true market leader and we missed it, we use uh, a pullback to the eight EMA as an entry point. Yes, it's mildly extended. Some could say it's very extended. Uh, but it does have the power from the pivot, the, the uh, 20 plus percent gain within three weeks. This is a hallmark of uh, traditionally leading stocks. Uh, it's uh, in a lot of cases, they go higher and outperform the market. And we got into coins, another way to play uh, Bitcoin. We bought this yesterday and followed through with another buy today on the strength. So that is very much uh, one of the leading stocks in the market. And as far as the other ones go and what we own, tune into the nightly videos where we talk about um, where we buy things, why we buy them in the traditional patterns, and then even more importantly, why we sell things, because it's about uh, pulling the weeds and watering the flowers in uh, portfolio management. We don't want to be in something that we don't see as going to be producing twice the return of the S&P 500 when you're in a bull market. We're just not going to let our money sit there doing nothing because there's an opportunity cost uh, in not being in the right names. And when the wind is at our back, we need to make sure that we're in those names. So that's a market summary. Oh, one last thing, small caps and mid caps very much starting to participate. They were the laggard all year, uh, but you can see last week, above this 200 day moving average in small caps after failing multiple times to get above and we've been following through with some strength to the upside holding the eight day exponential moving average on pullbacks continuing to make higher highs uh, we're playing this via TNA which is uh, a leveraged small cap uh, ETF and uh, very good to see now all five of the major indexes above their 200-day moving average. Next thing we want to see is that the slope of the line is flattening out. We want to see it flatten and then start to turn higher, which would support uh, the price on any pullback, theoretically. And if it doesn't support it and it breaks, then that tells us something different about the market and we react to that. But uh, so good to see mid caps and small caps acting better.
Any follow-up questions on that, Dan? Uh, no, I think that was very succinct, Don. All right, let's go to Michael. He's got a coal stock to talk about today. AMR, take it away. Uh, yep. Yeah, so just before I get into AMR, I wanted to bring up a few articles, a few headlines. So one is the end of coal, how renewables <laughs> are taking over the energy industry. And this one came out uh, early 2020. Then is coal on the brink of extinction? Experts say yes. Coal is dead. The rise of renewables and the fall of King Coal. Now, what's funny about all of that, and if you were to pay attention to the ESG movement, the, the focus on renewables, looking at solar and wind and everything but carbon intensive fossil fuels, you would think that coal is probably the one area of the market you would want to avoid. And anything related to coal and really dirty energy is probably not somewhere you want to be. And most funds, because of these ESG requirements, weren't allowed to, weren't able to buy these stocks for their clients. But what's interesting is AMR, which is one of the coal producers, if you go to a weekly chart and look at where the price was in 2020, if I'm not mistaken, it was around the $3.50 mark. And in three years, in three years, you've seen a 100x increase in the price. It's now at $300. In three years, that's a, in my opinion, that's a pretty crazy move. I haven't seen too many of those. And it's continuing to go higher. It still looks strong. And that just shows you how wrong consensus can be and why you shouldn't base your investment decisions on headlines. If you had read those headlines, you would have definitely avoided coal and it's been I, I don't know too many other industries and it's not just amr it's a lot of stocks and a lot of coal stocks all of them are up significantly this is one of the best performers but there's other ones that are up 80x 60x so when you're investing you've got to do your own research look at the charts if the charts are telling you one thing if, if that's your strategy and, and you follow technicals and charts if the charts are telling you one thing and the headlines are telling you another thing you should go with your own analysis. Don't don't listen to the headlines. Don't listen to the experts. Don't listen to the ESG movement. So, and if you're looking at fundamentals as well, sometimes your fundamental story, now maybe you're not an expert and you get the fundamentals wrong, which is more often than not going to be the case. But if you really believe in something and you see it happening, just because the headlines short term are, oh, this is garbage, you want to avoid it, you don't have to listen to it. You, you can do your own research and, and really have your own ideas. So AMR is, I want to bring up a few technical patterns here on AMR that, that are really, really beautiful. I mean, the first one is in August that, that massive base it was building. It looks, it looks like a, a bit of an ascending base, but it was, it was really just a, a flat base for a while. And then in August it broke out and you could see, uh, it, it broke out It had the volume and sort of continued higher from there. Now going into yeah, so it was flat for, for about a year, just going sideways, steadily building higher lows until it finally broke out. And then going back to or a few months ago, if you go back to the daily chart, on a podcast, I did speak about this and I pointed out that head and shoulders, it was really textbook head and shoulders that it was forming in late September. So you got the, the, the high volume going up in, in mid-September, then pulled back to the 8 EMA, 
made a new high on lower volume, then came back down, retested the 21 day, made that right shoulder around that same uh, 250 or so level, and then gapped below and broke down below that neckline. Then you had it retest the neckline back in, in mid-October, failed, broke down again. So that's really a textbook head and shoulders. It's got the volume. It's It's got everything. Even on the RS line, it's making a head and shoulders. So that's really a beautiful, you should study that pattern if you want to learn about head and shoulders. That's that's really, that, that's one of the best examples I've seen in recent memory of a head and shoulders. And then it broke down. And then another beautiful pattern you can look for. And if you trade these, I've had actually really good success with these. It's one of my favorite patterns to get in early. It's that undercut and reverse in, in mid-November. So you had that undercut to around that 200 plus level. And then the next day, it reclaimed that entire region and was back above the 21-day exponential moving average. And then was really tight and just kept building higher lows on the daily, daily chart. And then it gapped up out of that range back above the 50-day. You could have gotten in on that undercut and reclaim back in, in November and just set your stop at the low of that day. And if you look, it never took out that low. It just kept building higher lows. So that would have been a beautiful entry. And since then, it's kind of been, been a rocket ship and it's, it's back up to the $300 level. And part of that move, the, the real reason for that move is when you had that undercut and then it reclaimed the next day, there was news uh, about about AMR joining the S&P 600. So when you've got, so there were a few things. I spoke about AMR and CEIX in terms of the buybacks and shareholder returns and that they're using all this capital. They're not reinvesting it into the company. They're just returning it to shareholders because they know long-term the coal industry, government's got, got a knife at their throat and they want to put them out of business. That, that, that's obvious. But in the meantime, where they're printing a ton of money, and the world needs coal because clearly there's still a lot of demand for coal. They're like, okay, we're not going to invest more in the company, but we'll continue our operations and all the cash we earn. We'll just use it to buy back stock because that's the best thing we can do for shareholders. So when you've got a company aggressively buying back stock and then you've got them added to an index like the S&P 600, well, all of a sudden, all the funds that track the S&P 600, all the ETFs, the mutual funds, have to own that name so that's more fuel to the to the fire you, you you've got buying coming from all areas and you've got less and less stock that's available to buy so that's where you can see some really powerful moves so amr coal those all look great so don't don't listen to don't listen to the headlines and do your own do your own research and back to you dan Thanks, Mike. So we actually did a show a few months ago talking about the headlines in Bloomberg and Wall Street Journal and Barron's and how the headlines were almost always wrong. They were calling a bottom or a top, just the opposite of what they were saying. Now, coal, coal is what charges EV, electric, green. That's how you plug it in to charge your electric car or whatever electric tool you're using. It's charged by coal. Coal is the fuel. Don't listen to the lie that they're giving you. Now, at some point, we may find some new technology that's an alternative energy source. Uh, wind is worthless so far. It hadn't pr produced. Solar probably has some of the best 
uh, uh, outlook and, and nuclear. But, but until then, coal is going to be very strong. But the one thing I like here that Mike pointed out and showed is he kind of married the fundamentals with the technical. So he's looking at this and he likes this sector, this space. But if you're using the technicals, because remember, folks, you don't see the right side of the chart until hindsight, till you can Monday morning quarterback. So when you're looking at that high, that 2067 spot 60, that high a few months ago and that head and shoulders, when you see that breaking down, you don't question. You just get out. So it shows you how to get out in case it continues going down, because that last big rally you see that could have just gone the other way and kept going down. You don't know that in advance. Then, where it says that 205.34, when it starts repairing and you get that reversal and it switches up, you've got some rules to get you back in. So the fundamentals show you which sectors and which stocks you really want to track because they look attractive. And the technicals help you marry that and time, help you time it to avoid getting really uh, crucified if you're wrong and helps you to get back in if you're right. And folks, when we say wrong, it just means that setup didn't work out because the market changed. It wasn't the wrong decision to take the trade. If that same setup happens in two weeks, we'll, we'll do that again. Just like Don, you'll see him buy something and then it, it fails and stutters. He'll sell it with a small, and then he'll get right back in a couple of weeks later and then it works out fine. So you can't, that's a, that's a big behavioral finance problem when people have a small loss or one stock doesn't work out, they don't want to get back in again. If it's a leading stock, it's a leading stock. You're just playing the probabilities. All right, Mike, that was great. Thanks, Don. Back to you. All right. Let's uh, take it over to uh, Ted. He's got some nice charts to show us today. What do you got for us, Ted? Yep. Yeah. So AI has been a central theme this last year's uptrending action um, with AI releasing their chat GPT um, AI bot on November 30th, 2022. Um, looking at hindsight, you could say that was almost the catalyst that kind of brought us out of this bear market. At first, the ChatGPT AI bot was primarily just text to text, useful for coders, marketers, and just some simple question and answer, um, kind of like Googling, but they kind of find the information and feed it to you. Um, over this last year, though, like OpenAI and Microsoft, they've, they've really ramped up their innovation with this ChatGPT. They've added things like a Bing collaboration that is able to search the web for you and collect information, uh, text the video so you can prompt the chat bot and then you can create a video now, um, text the image, and then their recent custom chat bot. So there's been a lot of creators and developers creating their own little twist on these GPT bots for specific use cases. Um, when I first started using it, I was just using it for research papers in my biology classes. Um, I wasn't really able to find a use case for ChatGPT in my trading and in portfolio management. But over this last year, especially with this feature where you can upload a file, it reads it for you and you can prompt it questions as well as that Bing feature. It's really, it's a really useful tool now to quickly pull information from the web um, for our trading needs like news. So the first use case as Don has pulled up and search for news items. So I saw that there's there's a stock, CRISPR Therapeutics, uh, CRSP, and I saw that was, there's super strong action. And I was just wondering if there's any news events since the biotech company, and it's important to scan the internet for PDUFA dates, uh, phase trial releases, 
because you don't want to get just bombed with one of those. And so I prompted ChatGPT. I asked it, are there any big news events coming up for CRISPR therapeutics? And it, it returned this and basically told me on December 8th, which is today, the FDA was going to decide whether they approved its sickle cell disease drug. And we found out today it did get approved, but fortunately it was a sell the news event so far at least. So the next use case I've kind of implemented, um, sometimes it, you don't like you want to find the best economic or the main economic and market moving news of the day. Uh, this is an example I typed in from yesterday and I kind of just simple question, what are the main economic pieces of news or market moving news of the day? And it just gave me a list of it. Um, continue on. This is probably my favorite one and the one that saves the most time. I, Don wanted me to do some research on some of these recent earnings gappers. Uh, I pulled the uh, quarterly earnings re releases and, trans and earnings call transcripts from these companies' websites. And I mean, so, like the transcript was 50 pages long. Uh, the earnings uh, results were, was like 15 to 20 pages. And I just plopped them into the chat GPT, asked it for a quick summary, and it just lays it out for you simply and all the important information. And then from that, you can also ask more detailed questions if you want to look into the company more. And then the fourth one, I just have a kind of a basic example here, but like, you know, with TradingView, there's PineScript and Thinkorswim, they have ThinkScript. And in here, you can develop your own custom indicators. Here, I just showcase a very simple one. So I, I prompted, can you create a Thinkorswim, uh, Thinkorswim script that gives me the percent away from low of the day? And it literally just codes it for you because it works with Python, R, and many other coding languages. Um, so those are four use cases. I'm definitely working relentlessly to find new use cases because I definitely think these AI chatbots will improve our pro productivity in the workplace and in our lives. Um, there's new innovations coming out every single day. If you're interested in following along like these AI news, my two favorite people to follow or their newsletters on Twitter, um, one guy is Run Down AI by this guy named Rowan Chung. And then Zane Khan is another guy I follow to keep up with the latest breaking news in AI. If, if you really hadn't paid much attention to what Ted just said, this is frankly amazing what these can do for you and the amount of time that they can save trying to accomplish a specific task that would be research intensive. The, the three main uh, chatbots right now, ChatGPT is backed by Microsoft. There's Bard, which is a Google product, and they just recently announced uh, a coming upgrade to it called Gemini that was very well received. And the third one is, uh, <laughs> what's the name, guys, Grok. of uh, Grok, yeah, is yeah. Uh, Elon Musk's Twitter uh, AI chatbot, and that's in the process of being rolled out to premium users. So those are the three, Correct me if I'm missing any of them, but those are the three big players of the day. And this is this kind of reminds me of back in the day when you had multiple ways of searching things and Google obviously became the, the standard just because they had a better product. So it'll be interesting with these three because they've all got deep pockets. They're all trying to outdo each other uh, to uh, distance themselves from uh, 
from each other, but it's just amazing the the productivity and the time that can be saved by uh, knowing how to. Do. And yeah, it's going to cost jobs, uh, but it's also going to. I mean, maybe you just go from being a research to being an expert on how to prompt AI chatbots. There's a lot of opportunity as well as uh, some of the yeah. uh, jobs that are going to be taken yeah. away. But but it's here. It's here. You either got to you either got to incorporate it or get left behind. I mean, so what's your choice to be? Yeah, it's a reality. So you got, yeah. I mean, this independence is the theme. The way to stay independent is to keep up with AI, period. All right, uh, Connor, you got four charts we're going to go through. Yeah, today uh, I've talked about it before, but I'm going to bring up some anchored view apps again today and look at where we're at on the indexes and look at an example with a power earnings gap. So the first chart is IWM and I anchored two view ops here. So the first one, I think that's the spy. You... That's the um, S&P 500, okay. yeah, the first one. Yeah, all right. Yeah, so we'll just start with the spy then. Um, with this one, I talked about a couple of weeks back when the market was pulling back and it was looking a little bit ugly. Um, we found support right at this all-time high anchored view app, and we can see how well it reacted there. Um, and it had that other layer below it, which was from the COVID low, but that's a good example of how well these can act as, as support and resistance. And so if we look at uh, the Russell IWM, a lot of people, you know, we're waiting for this this index, this group to start heating up and break out. It just got above the 200 day, uh, but it's under a key level. So it's kind of sandwiched in between this all-time high anchored view app along with the COVID low anchored view app. And as we can see, every time the Russell's rallied, it's rallied right into this and rejected. So, and the way these lines are uh, coming together, it's going to be very important for small caps to get above this level and to help uh, fuel more upside in this area and increase breath. Um, ARC's another one. This one's a little different picture because this is still well above, but this could be a magnet. And we've seen Kathy's uh, ARC's been doing really well recently. And part of the reason I think is this anchored view app is starting to flatline and try to try to bottom out. Although price is still below, um, it's coming up there. This could be a magnet. And this, uh, this has really been able to flatline and try to slope down and curve back up. So that will be a key pivot for ARC um, on whether or not it can go into stage two uptrend. Because to me, it looks like it's trying to develop a stage one base. And Uber's the last one. This is just looking at using an anchored view app on an earnings gap. This was one of the best earnings gaps. And as you can see, after that earnings gap day, price never violated that low and it retested it once. And ever since it's been trending well above. And when you look at some of the strongest power earnings gaps, uh, they're never going to break that anchor view up from the gap day um, low. So it's a good reference and it's a little bit, and you can use it uh, confluence with like an AEMA 21 day just adds another good layer of analysis. Um, so yeah, these indicators are great to use. They can give you good reference reference points and uh, I find a lot of value in them. Excellent. Excellent. These uh, 
really impre impressed and it's been a tremendous help with uh, some of the tools that the new guys have brought to the shop and really uh, a lot of value added. <clears throat> That's it for the week, Dan. Back to you. Thanks, Don. Uh, you guys were talking about Gronk. This is, uh, I don't know if you can see that. That's uh, Elon Musk. Can you see that? That's his tweet where he's the, 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 his, he's sitting on a throne like yeah. Gronk. Gronk's the, the king of the hill in AI Don was just talking about. Um, uh, listen, I've kind of got my, uh, my Christmas party attire on. Next week, I'm hoping that Texas Clause is going to come out. I'm not. He he had a big uh, home improvement. He had, well, actually, he was moving. The, the, the real estate in in Fredericksburg, up in the hill country, got pretty. He's got to live up high. It's got to be cold, right? So he Fredericksburg, the real estate got too overheated. So he moved way out to West Texas, over by Marfa in the in the in Big Bend, the Texas, not the national for it, but the Texas right. up in the mountains. And so, but I think he's going to be coming in and making a visit. If if he can make it. I can't promise you anything, but we're going to see if we can't find all of his uh, uh, yeah. things. But anyway, folks, listen, if you like what you heard, please tell a friend, tell a neighbor. We're trying to be the most fully transparent fiduciary advisor out there. And most of our stuff is by word of mouth. You can just go to revereasset.com. Up in the right-hand corner, there's a subscribe button. And we won't spam or hassle your friends or family. They just put their name in and email address. And we won't spam them or reach out to them. It's up to them to reach out to us. And next to that, and with that, they'll get Don and the team does a daily market insights video. It's called Tomorrow's Insights. And it's looking, it's every day the market's open. That evening, they put out a short 15, 20 minute market video on both short-term, mid-term, long-term levels of all the major indices. And then they go over individual stocks that are working and what we're actually doing in the portfolio. We're actually showing you and telling you what we bought, what we sold, how we did it, why, and why. I, I don't know anybody else that's doing that. Anyway, and next to that is a contact us button. You can just uh, send me, it comes right to me. You can send me any, uh, a message if you want a complimentary portfolio review, you want a stock you want talked about on the radio like GL Gold this morning, or if you've got uh, uh, a strat, you know, something that you just want a, a topic that you want to discuss. You can also email us directly at dan at revereasset.com, don at revereasset.com, or michael, ted, or connor at revereasset.com. And you can always, always, always call, call us old school at 855-REAL-WEALTH. Folks, have a safe and happy weekend. Happy holidays, and we'll talk to you next week on your money. Because it's not about how much you've made in the markets, it's how much of that you can keep.
Your Money Radio podcast covers general topics and investment ideas for research. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not meant to be investment advice. If you want or need investment advice, contact your own advisors or reach out to Revere Asset Management for individual investment advice. For more information, just go to revereasset.com.